The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, June 14th. In today's news, Michael Cohen is splitting with his lawyers and may flip. President Trump is trying to figure out ways to take citizenship away from immigrants who already got it. And a group of Republican senators got into a profane shouting match during a closed-door meeting. But first, the big idea. A Republican senator urges love for LGBT youths in a poignant Pride Month speech. Senator Orrin Hatch an 84-year-old conservative Mormon from Utah, used to be one of the most outspoken critics of gay rights in Congress. In the 1970s, as a freshman senator, Hatch said that gay people should never be allowed to teach in public schools because they have a, quote, psychological deficiency. He said he, quote, wouldn't want to see homosexuals teaching school any more than I'd want to see members of the American Nazi Party teaching school. In the 1980s, He referred to Democrats as, quote, the party of homosexuals. In the 1990s, he sponsored the Defense of Marriage Act, and he criticized the Supreme Court five years ago for striking it down. But the times, they are a-changing. Hatch, who is retiring after 42 years as the longest-serving Republican senator in American history, is now trying to atone. He delivered a passionate speech on the Senate floor yesterday, pleading with his conservative colleagues to not just tolerate but love people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. These young men and women deserve to feel loved, cared for, and accepted for who they are. I don't think they chose to be who they are. They're born to be who they are. And we ought to understand that. They deserve to know that they belong and that our society is stronger because of them. The peg for Hatch's remarkable comments was commemorating Pride Month, He said he wanted to send a, quote, message of love to his LGBT brothers and sisters. This is especially notable because President Trump has refused to acknowledge or commemorate Pride Month for each of the past two years. Barack Obama issued proclamations all eight years he was in office. Hatch said being accepting shouldn't be political. We all have a stake in this. We all have family or loved ones who have felt marginalized in one way or another because of gender identity or sexual orientation. And we need to be there for them. How did someone in Hatch's position come around like this? People familiar with his evolution tell me it's the result of an epidemic of teen suicides in his home state of Utah. He discovered from talking to the parents and visiting schools that most of the suicides were gay and transgender students who felt stigmatized in a very conservative, overwhelmingly Mormon state. By speaking out, Hatch hopes to prod the Mormon church to become more welcoming and tolerant. Mr. President, if there were ever a time to show our LGBT friends just how much we love them, it is now in a world where millions suffer in silence. We owe it to each other to love loudly. A report published just last week from the Centers for Disease Control showed Utah has the fifth highest suicide rate in the nation. Hatch is trying to shepherd into law a bill that would create a new simple three-number hotline for suicide prevention, sort of like 911. Then there would be an ad campaign to promote it. The bill cleared a House committee yesterday and it already passed the Senate. 
Hatch said he hopes the suicides of fashion icon Kate Spade and celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain give it a new sense of urgency and that it will soon come up on the house floor. But Hatch argued that the suicides which get less attention than Spade or Bourdain are equally important. Mr. President, the prevalence of suicide, especially among LGBT teens, is a serious problem that requires national attention. No one should ever feel less because of their gender identity or sexual orientation. LGBT youth deserve our unwavering love and support. They deserve our validation and the assurance that not only is there a place for them in this society, but that it is far better off because of them. These young people need us, and we desperately need them. The senator finished his speech by emphasizing that society must acknowledge being gay is not a choice, but instead that people are born that way if we're ever going to reduce the number of suicides. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, special counsel Bob Mueller's team of investigators is continuing to ask witnesses about the activities of longtime Trump attorney, fixer, and consigliere Michael Cohen. This suggests that Cohen is a central focus of the special counsel's probe. Cohen is also under intensifying scrutiny from federal prosecutors in Manhattan who are separately examining his business practices. The president's allies are growing increasingly worried that they're trying to build a criminal case against Cohen in order to push him to cooperate with the Mueller probe. And this is all happening as Cohen's legal team is in flux. He's in a bitter dispute with his current attorneys about legal bills, and he plans to find new representation soon. Federal prosecutors haven't approached Cohen yet for his cooperation, but they're expected to do so soon, and ABC says he's likely to cooperate. If he does, he could be the biggest threat Trump faces in the investigation. While there are others who could provide a sweeping overview of Trump's activity before, during, or after the campaign, Cohen dealt with Trump closely in all three phases, and he's facing potentially serious charges that might motivate him to be more cooperative. One last thing that should worry the president, sources tell us that Cohen has been telling people that he feels neglected and forgotten by Trump. Number two, the Trump administration is analyzing decades old fingerprints as part of an unprecedented effort to strip U.S. citizenship away from thousands of people who have already earned it. Denaturalization, which is the process of revoking citizenship, has long been treated as a rare and drastic measure. But now, at the order of the Trump administration, Department of Homeland Security investigators are digitizing fingerprints that were collected in the early 1990s. They're comparing them with more recent prints provided by foreigners who apply for legal residency and U.S. citizenship. If the old fingerprints gathered during a deportation match those of someone who did not disclose that deportation on their naturalization application, or if they used a different name, that individual will be targeted by a new Los Angeles-based investigative division. Violators will be referred to federal courts where they could be stripped of citizenship and deported. In related news, Trump is signaling support for a still unwritten compromise immigration bill that would give young undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship, though it remains unclear whether such legislation can garner enough support to pass the House. And Trump has been known to change his mind on the immigration issue as negotiations proceed on Capitol Hill. In the meantime, leading Catholic bishops are stepping up their criticism of his immigration policies, specifically the practice of separating families at the border. One prominent bishop says that perhaps Trump aides who are complicit in this policy 
should be denied communion. And CNN reports now that a woman told a federal public defender this week that her infant was ripped from her arms as she breastfed the baby at a border detention center. The mother was then apparently handcuffed for resisting as ICE agents yanked her baby away. Other parents tell advocates that their babies are taken from them by federal agents and told that they'll be back a little while later, that they're just going to clean them up or bathe them, and then they never see their kids again and don't know what happens to them. Number three, a group of Republican senators exchanged personal and occasionally profane attacks during a heated closed-door meeting over the annual defense bill. At the center of the ruckus was Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, as well as Senators Mike Lee of Utah and Bob Corker of Tennessee. Graham took issue with an amendment Lee is pushing, which would protect American citizens from being detained without charges or trial. Graham accused Lee of pressing the amendment to raise money, prompting the normally polite and low-key senator to snap back at him angrily. Graham apologized later and Lee accepted, but it didn't end there. Graham and Corker got into an expletive-laced exchange after Graham argued that Corker wasn't helping out the Republican Party and should keep his mouth shut. Corker had just complained publicly that the GOP's fealty to Trump is becoming cultish. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, June 14th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.